Welcome to the Share Your Story podcast, a show dedicated to helping boomers make the best decisions and live their best lives. I'm host Patricia Raskin, and joining me again is guest host Wendy Burkhart, the CEO of Silvernest, a home sharing service for baby boomers and empty nesters. We're delving into a really prevalent topic today that isn't discussed as often as it should be, and that's how to maintain and build friendships as we age. Today, Wendy and I will welcome guest Joy Liberty, who is a leading consultant in the mature market industry and a trusted advisor in aging and family caregiving. She also has a new book out called Who Will Take Care of Me When I'm Old. Welcome back, Wendy. Thank you, Patricia. Nice to be here today. Welcome, Joy. Thank you so much. All right. So tell us a little about your book and why you wrote it. Well, the book actually came to me after 20 years on the road with my first book, The Elder Care Planner, and having people tell me that they have been doing a lot for their parents, but they would say those exact words that are the front and center of my book, but who's going to take care of me when I'm old? So they started to ask that question uh, about 10 years ago, but I knew that it was too soon to be talking about that. So I put it aside. I started writing it. I really didn't dive into it until about a couple of years ago when I knew the timing was better. As I mentioned, our topic is really nurturing friendships as we age and forming new ones. Studies have shown that many friendships tend to dissolve as we age and our circle of friends gets smaller, but in fact, it's very normal and tends to happen to everyone, even starting as young as 25 years old. Do you think that it's difficult to maintain friendships as time goes on? What do you think, Joy? And then I'll ask Wendy. Well, what I like to do is I like to look at the experts and the experts to me are people who are at least 30 years older than me. Whatever I'm going through in my life, they have gone through it or they are in the middle of it. And little by little, I have seen with my own eyes that that is absolutely not true. And that these are people who make the effort to maintain friendships. And one of the key things I've learned is they get younger friends. That's interesting because that's happened for me. I have millennial friends. I have students from the university that work with me that are millennials, and it's wonderful to have that fresh input. Wendy, what do you think? What's your well, I, Yeah, I think that we're in, inter- in an interesting time when we're living longer than ever before. And so much of what we're experiencing is changing quite a bit. And I think that as you and Joy have both just alluded to, we have to start thinking about our ecosystems in a very different way and looking at what friendship means and how we define that. You know, we know that the way that we've been living in our aging experience has largely supported a diminishing ecosystem or a diminishing community. So, you know, I oftentimes as a 50 plus individual with no kids, think about what my aging experience might look like. And Silver Nest was really born out of the idea that when I get to a certain point, I really want to live like the Golden Girls because I don't really have any aspiration for living in a community where I'm only surrounded by individuals that are sort of dictated by somebody else by virtue of living in that community or living with only one type of individual. So I think we all have to be conscious and aware of the ecosystems around us and recognize that, yes, as we live longer than ever before, we have to keep rebuilding those ecosystems because they naturally start to diminish, unfortunately. There was a study from William Chopik, an assistant professor of psychology at Michigan State University. He said that as we age, friendships become more important to happiness than family ties. What do you think, Joy? 
I think that's true. We are born into our families, but our friends are our chosen family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've heard that a lot. Here's the thing that I found that's most interesting is, is people then tend to treat their friends a little less than they do their family. And what I mean by that is they just assume that their friends are going to be there when they need them. And that is so not true. Mm-hmm. They hopefully will be there, but we cannot treat our friends any less than our family. What about the upside of replacing friendships, meaning that sometimes friends will leave us, they pass on, but sometimes we outgrow them or sometimes they become more negative or they just have a a really tough situation and they're draining our energy. I'm going to be really blunt. Get them. Okay. (laughs) We are running out of time and we can't afford to have people suck us dry and not be there for us when we need them. If you're the kind of person that's constantly there for a friend who isn't there for you, what are you doing? Wendy? I so agree with Joy and actually been reading a very interesting book by Christiane Northrup, who I love. And she wrote a book called Dodging Your Energy Vampires. So um, that's a side conversation for another day, but Joy, that might have some relevancy. <laughs> but I think I like to go back to uh, sort of a point that you were just talking about about replacing friendships. So I do think that there's a lot of studies that say friendship is like seasons and different friendships and relationships serve you in different chapters of your life. And I think we have to study that for ourselves and say, well, what do we need? What fills us up? What makes us happy? What do we enjoy? Both of you mentioned like having different types of friends and more diversity in your friendships. And you know, I think we have to challenge ourselves to that. We wouldn't have thought about having a student as a friend, but why not? And then so that you're pushed a little out of your comfort zone, but then that pushes you into something new that you may not have thought of before. Maybe a new interest, maybe a new hobby. Absolutely. I was also thinking um, of the question, well, then what kind of friend am I being? And that might people leave us for that very reason. This is a two-way street. If we are not up to the quality of making a friendship that is equal, we might be left. Wendy, I have a question about home sharing and soberness. When you have a roommate and they're with you and they've been screened and so you're going this road together, how close do you think a friendship should become with the person you're sharing your space with? So I always say that is not my answer to give because it depends on everybody's individual situation. And what we've discovered with over 70,000 people coming through the platform is that everybody's condition is unique. We've had individuals who say, I'd really like to live with somebody younger than myself. We've had folks that say, I really don't want anybody younger because I've already had my kids and I don't want any more. We've had folks that come in that are very interested in having companionship and friendship. And then we have others that are like, hey, I don't really want that responsibility. I just need the income. What we find, however, is that many people surprise themselves by being open and actually moving into a home sharing situation. They actually might get a friend, even if they didn't want it or if they didn't expect it. One of the best stories that we have sort of in our testimonial database is a female who was about 62, who was looking for just a simple roommate to help her split the bills and cover her mortgage. And um, she was looking for somebody that resembled herself. Well, the algorithm actually paired her with a young male who was 31, who was a recently retired Marine. And they ended up having a very successful home sharing relationship for 18 months. And what I love about that story is they became great friends. They both loved gardening. They both loved 
um, certain things around the home. He moved out actually to go and be married. And she just said, wow, I was really sad when he left because you know she didn't expect that. She said, I didn't expect any of that to happen. So I love the opportunity, right? And you can design it however you want to design it. And then you might just get pleasantly surprised. <laughs> it's a great story. I'm thinking about a similar situation of a woman who does share her home with two males. They come and go. It's a real interesting situation. But one is really good at the home stuff, and the other one is really good at the handyman stuff. And these men come and go out of the same situation, the same home situation. And uh, the, my friend who, who has this situation couldn't be happier. And she never designed it that way. It happened that way. They found that being flexible, all three of them was the way to go. Don't you think, though, both of you, this is such a, it's a different time because we weren't brought up this way. We saw mom and dad that lived together for 40, 50, 60 years, whether they liked each other or not, right? <laughs> In many cases, we didn't see all these mixed arrangements. And if you saw arrangements, it was with family. That's to my point earlier about friends are family. Today's family, the definition of what we used to know is friendship and then family. Yeah, and I also think, you know, in, in the old traditional relationships, we were kind of taught that our spouse was everything. They had to do everything. And now we're learning, no, you can have three or four or five different people because one person isn't going to give you everything. I talk about that in my book, and I know it's a book about aging solo, but I did say, because I know a lot of people who are reading the book are in a coupled situation and I can't emphasize enough the need to have friends outside of the coupled relationship. Wendy? We're in interesting times in terms of the way that we lived. Your point is spot on, Joy, about the fact that we used to actually live with our families, and, and yeah. that was a, a significant part of our ecosystem. But you know, you can go back like 50 years and think of situations um, where individuals had borders, right? Mm -hmm. uh, boarding houses weren't that unusual. And we adopted sort of that as sort of a norm in our society. You know, we've had the luxury. It's interesting because in one of our last sessions, we had Barry Habib on talking about mortgages. And we talked about sort of the condition right now of living in these larger homes and, and the luxury of being able to move out into these larger neighborhoods. And some of what that luxury has unfortunately impacted is the communities that we age within, you know, we broke apart sort of our ecosystem of family. We broke apart as we moved for job opportunities, as we were able to move into suburban living environments. And maybe we create a new ecosystem of friends there and we have new relationships there. But then as we age, we recognize like, hmm, that doesn't serve us so well. Like, I feel like sometimes we're coming back full circle in some ways, right? Like we're coming back into the inner cities. We're rebuilding our communities. We're getting reconnected. It's, it's so, it just strikes me as really interesting sort of the stages that we're in. Joy, what would be your advice, you know, and you've studied this in really developing these close relationships, the do's maybe and the don'ts. The do is to get off the internet and go meet in person. Yeah. <laughs> Amen, huh? Um, you know, you, your school network might be large, but they do not equate to friendship. Get out there and be together. Find ways to celebrate. The don't is to just to, is to have a small circle. Expand it as best you can. I mean, I'm just trying to be real here. But do what you can to have a vast circle of friends. Some will come in, in your life for one reason or another. Just the same as it is for a coupled situation, your friends 
cannot meet all your needs. You must have several in order to be well-balanced in that area. And Wendy, don't you think that the home-sharing situation really allows you to expand? Because this person will bring other friends in that you may meet. Absolutely. Well, and I always say that it's interesting, right? Because many of us, when we were younger, had a roommate or we had a different circle of friends and we do now. And that brought us many benefits of an extended group of friends through the folks that we were sharing space with. We weren't quite so scared about thinking about those types of options. And as we age, we can have that same experience again. Really, there is no significantly different consideration, particularly if we're still able-bodied, able-minded, independent, being open-minded and looking for new ways to find new friends and new connections is incredible. I'm looking at this little flyer that my team just brought to me today, and I love this. They put this term on here and it says, community connects us. I think that says it all. What are some of the things we can do in the community, along with sharing and opening ourselves up to a different person and different mindsets. What about what can we do in our own communities? There's nothing like like-minded people sometimes to connect. And it's not all the time, but in the community, there are so many opportunities to get involved with something. And there you're going to find like passion, the love of what it is that you're doing, and that will help connect you. But that's a good place to start. What do you like? What will you fight for? What makes your blood boil? And start there as a way to be surrounded by people who say, yeah, you know, you're right. And and I want to hang out with you more. What I'll add to that is we just recently had an event in DC where we we discussed exactly that, which um, really orients around the fact that, guess what? As you age, you have amazing experience and so much value to lend to the things that you really care about. So get active, make your voice count, get out there, get involved because that's A, you get to exercise what you really enjoy and you get to meet people in the process behind it. So we should all be doing that. The world needs all of us getting mouthy about things. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to close by asking you, Wendy, how all of this with what you're doing with Silver Nest in terms of offering your service to people who have homes and want to share and bring in the right person, how this all ties into connection and community and friendship. What would you say, Wendy? Very simply, it was an idea that was actually born out of the idea of being connected, right? And I, and I mentioned earlier this model of the Golden Girls, which as everyone knows and loves, everyone knows and loves that story. Why? Because it's a story of friendship. It's not about four women living in a house together that didn't know one another. Why did we enjoy the show? We enjoyed it because we enjoyed the connectivity and the friendship and their experiences. And that's what made us laugh. And I just think that home sharing offers that as an and option. by the way, do you know that on the golden girls is still oh, yeah. on it's, <laughs> it is all these years and i enjoy making it a comeback it's making a comeback <laughs> and if people want to know more about sharing or about sharing their home or if they're also in the market to find a, a person right in their home mm-hmm. so they can share so on both sides it's all on your website correct silvernest.com what would be your closing thoughts joy i just want to say that i have not met anyone who their interest wasn't piqued when I mentioned Silvernest and home sharing. They say, wow, and it's becoming a movement of, of many sorts, not only friendships, but the financial aspect of it. And I am just pleased to tell you, Wendy, 
that it is being so highly receptive by people that say, wow, I can, I can have so much with this concept. And so I'm all too happy to continue to tell people about it. There is no better resource because of the technology that you bring to the table. And I also mentioned that it is a science, really important. Joy, how can people find you? Elderindustry.com. Say hi to me. Wendy, if people are interested in sharing their home and finding the right person or the right person's waiting to find the home, yeah, <laughs> they yeah. just go to silvernest.com. That's right. And I have to put in a final plug for Joy's book because it's an amazing book. Joy, you just have to tell everybody the title and tell them where to find it. Well, the title is Who Will Take Care of Me When I'm Old? <laughs> it's sold wherever books are sold. Thank you Thank both, you. Wendy and Joy. We're so happy to be here on this wonderful podcast, which is Share Your Story podcast. I'm Patricia Raskin. We have more series for you and more segments, so stay tuned. Until next time, stay happy and find all those wonderful people in your life. I'm Patricia Raskin. Bye for now. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.